That is special. Well, if you have your Bibles or something that opens your Bible, open it up to 2 Peter, not 1 Peter, but 2 Peter chapter 1. Today is a special day, not just because we just had a wonderful moment of baby dedication. It's a special day in part because it is Father's Day. But it's also a special day because tomorrow, if you can't tell, this is not how we normally decorate the sanctuary. Tomorrow is the beginning of vacation Bible school. And so today is the last day of prep, the last day of prayer, the last day of of trying to get out of teaching vacation Bible school. No, I'm just kidding. It's a spiritual kickoff, I've always thought, for one of the most evangelistic efforts of the church. There are more people impacted by and for the gospel through Vacation Bible School than any other activity that the church does. I point toward Vacation Bible School as being what brought me to salvation. I remember, I can't remember her name, but I remember it being at First Baptist Church Heath and the teacher teaching us about John 3.16 and a light bulb went off. and, And I remember thinking, I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. And, and so we want to be in prayer for our Vacation Bible School and, and the message that they will be uh, bringing this week. And so with today's message, this sermon, I hope to give you a taste of what the children will be studying this week and how you can pray specifically for the messages that they will be getting each week from their teacher or each day from their teachers. The theme verse for VBS comes from Peter's epistle. Isn't that a coincidence? We've been studying Peter's epistle but not the first one. It comes from the second one. Let's read this theme verse, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It says, As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Of course, when they memorize it this week, they'll be leaving off the as and just be uh, starting with the His, His divine power power. It's a great verse. It has a lot of meat to it. And about two years or so ago, I preached a message in this chapter, but just verses 5 through 11, emphasizing God's expectation for us to spiritually grow. We were never meant to be saved and just sit there. And what verse 3 is, is the buildup of that expectation God has for us to grow, spiritually grow. And contained within that verse is this beautiful statement. God has given us everything we need. God has given us everything we could ever possibly need. And so with Vacation Bible School, we're going to look at and emphasize what all God has given us. One of the themes they're going to look at is that God has given us hope. That's what we've been really surrounding ourselves, the theme of 1 Peter with, is God gives us hope. They're going to be looking at that. God has given us joy. God has given us Jesus. And in that, a way of salvation, God has given us love. Aren't these wonderful themes for these, care, uh, for these kiddos to be looking at and studying this week, church? Amen. Okay, three of you think that's wonderful. I'm glad for that. But today is also Father's Day. And so I was struggling as I was uh, uh, getting ready for this week trying to decide how to fit this verse into a Father's Day message because I really like preaching the special emphasis Sundays, you know, Memorial Day or Father's Day or Mother's Day or, or Easter or Christmas and all that. And it occurred, to, it occurred to me what this verse says. It says, His divine power has given to us all things. You know, when I think about my dad, 
I think about what a gift of God that he truly is. His divine nature, God's divine power has given to me my dad. God has given us dads. Now I know for some that might be a hard statement to say. Uh, Dads might be a tender subject. The memory of your dad might bring sorrow or grief or some other set of complicated emotions. And I'm not trying to trivialize that for you. Or it could be that your personal record as a dad brings upon you sorrow or grief. Maybe you realize that you have a lot of regret on how you trained up your children or how you maybe neglected them. Uh, Sadness or maybe even anger over your own failure. And I'm not trying to mask that reality, but even in the face of so many difficult situations and complicated life issues, I still believe that God gives us dads. I thank the Lord for my dad. And I know many others do too. And for no other reason than because of the corny jokes we get from our dads. I mean, if you can't think of anything else that your dad has given you, maybe he's given you some corny jokes. Who likes a good corny dad joke? Amen. Thank you, Brady. appreciate that. Let me, I've got, one I want to, Garrett, got a few I want to share with you. What do you call a pastor from Germany? A German shepherd. Y'all like corny dad jokes? All right. What kind of floors did Jesus put in his house? Gentiles. You know why I never trust stairs? Because they're always up to something. How many tickles does it take to make an octopus laugh? Tentacles. All right, I'm getting some groans. How about one more? What did the buffalo say to his son when he dropped him off for school? Bye, son. Yeah, that's an old one, right? Nothing like some good old dad jokes. But dads, dads are not just a gift from God because of the corny jokes. And if you find yourself in that category of not being able to point to a godly father that influenced you, then I ask you to consider some maybe other male role model. You know, often it's in those moments, like right now, that you think, huh, I just realized God gave me that guy to be a godly role model in my life. And maybe you can point back to your history and say, you know what, I didn't have the best dad, he didn't really influence, or maybe he just left, but God gave me someone else to influence me. And I I believe that is certainly the case. And then like I, I started our service off, if nothing else, we can always point to our heavenly father who adopts us into his family and says, I will be a father to the fatherless. There are certainly orphans all around the world that have had to embrace that reality. They will never have an earthly father that they know, but they have a heavenly father that is the greatest benefit in their life. Now, I know that this particular scripture is not talking about dads, 2 Peter verse uh, verse 3 of chapter 1, but I want us to consider the points nonetheless in consideration of dads or granddads or whoever the Lord might have put into your life as a godly male role model. The Bible says that God is a father to the fatherless. And so I encourage you that ultimately in the absence of our dads, we do have access to the most holy father of all. So what has he, the father, given to us? There's a lot of things that we could probably list out, but I want to list three for you. The first one is grace. I mean, when I think about what God has given me, in light of this verse, his divine power has given us all things. He's given us grace. Perhaps 
chief among the gifts that God gives us is his gift of grace. And this gift develops, and our idea of it develops as we move on through life. And this is a gift that he gives to all of humanity, not just those who follow him as Lord and Savior. I truly believe in the fact that if you receive rain, that is a gift of God's grace on your life. If you were able to get up and walk this morning, that was a gift of God's grace on your life. And that comes whether you believe in Him or not. And, and that's just two simple, very simple ways of pointing towards God's grace. What about the abilities that you have? The opportunities that you have had? Uh, maybe if you are surrounded by a loving family. The loving family we have, uh, that we are surrounded by, is a gift of God's grace. If you can point to a godly earthly father influence that is a gift of God's grace and this grace culminates in our lives in the recognition of Jesus as the only way of salvation and so if we have surrendered to Jesus as Lord and Savior then we can point to it being a proof of God's grace on our life but his grace is not just about bringing us to salvation it's not as if God's grace stops after we have been born again no, in fact, it is God's grace that continues us in the process of what we call sanctification. That is, making us to be more like God. Working out of us, God working out of us what He has put into us. And then, of course, it is grace that extends to us forgiveness for all those times when I rebel, when I act more like my old self instead of the new creation that God has made me to be. I don't know about you, but I often look at my life, I look at my mistakes, I, I look at my sin, and I ask this question in prayer, Lord, I don't know why you just con you continue on with me, why you don't just wipe me from the face of this planet. Anybody feeling me out there on that, that, that mindset? And I can say the same thing about my earthly father. I can count so many sacrifices that my dad has made for me, made for my family, even today. As a dad in his 40 of four kids, one going off to college, my parents, my dad and my mom are still making sacrifices for us. Do I deserve it? Not at all. We don't deserve it whatsoever. Yet, he chooses to bless us by his own personal sacrifice. That's a picture of God's grace. I'm likewise surprised. I survived my childhood as a youth because I was far from perfect as a child. I mean, I could recount to you, we could spend hours talking about all the ways I messed up. But let's just talk about my driving record as a teenager for a second. I cannot tell you how many fender benders I had and how many tickets I had as a teenager. But my, guy, my dad was so grace-filled towards me. Any moment he could have come in there and said, you know what, you are never driving as long as you live under this roof. I am not going to have you on my insurance anymore. But I think he realized... Of course, it, it helped that I had a very sorrowful attitude. I think he realized I wasn't doing it on purpose. I was just a really bad driver, and I didn't pay attention. But he did not take that away from me. And that's just grace. I, I know that may seem silly to you, but that's grace. That was grace. That was a picture of God's grace. And looking back, sometimes I wonder why my dad never fulfilled that prophetic parental threat that we all bestow upon our kids. Boy, I brought you into this world, and I can take you out and make another one just like you. He threatened, but he never did it. He never wiped me from the face of this planet, and that is grace. I want to challenge you dads here this morning to consider the picture of grace that you are giving to those who are following in your footsteps. 
And if you are a dad or maybe you don't have a dad, then consider the picture of grace you're giving to anyone that might be looking after you, that might be seeing the image of God that you are being. Are you being a picture of grace? Number two, the Father also gives us the Holy Spirit. God has given us. His divine power has given to us all things. He has given us the Holy Spirit. Whether you are saved or not, whether you realize it or not, God has given you the Holy Spirit. The difference is is that if you are not saved, the Holy Spirit is constantly knocking at the door of your heart saying, let me in. You need to be born again. You need to surrender to Jesus as Savior and Lord because your future, your destiny is one of torture and torment in hell. That's the difference, because if you're lost, then the Holy Spirit is constantly bringing conviction upon your life and showing you your great need for Jesus Christ. For those who have been saved through Jesus Christ, though, the difference is God sends the Holy Spirit to live within us. He's no longer knocking on the outside of our lives. He's on the inside knocking and saying, you need to let me clean this up. You need to let me change you in this way. We need to to sanctify you, making you more like Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is the great comforter. He is the great teacher. And it is that wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit that will lead us down a path of righteousness when my old nature wants to keep on going after unrighteousness. He will correct us when we sin. He will convict us when we ignore the voice of God. He will talk to us when we have gone awry. It is also the Holy Spirit that will comfort us when we are encouraged, uh, discouraged, counsel us when we are confused. And as Jesus says, the the Holy Spirit teaches us and reminds us of all things that Jesus taught us. He is a divine gift of God's divine power because the Holy Spirit is God. He's not a form of God. He's not a secondary tier of God. He's not a lesser type of God. He is God. And so this divine nature of the Holy Spirit is able to lead us in life and godliness and growth. Now, my heavenly... My earthly father doesn't have some sort of spirit that he instills on my life, certainly. But he certainly did give me some of himself. Within me there is his DNA. There are his characteristics, his attributes, his personality. Within me is imprinted Mike C. Givens, Michael C. Givens. And into my memories are the humorous sayings, the reactions, the responses, the character and attributes that I observed in 20 plus years of living with him. And that has been implanted into me. Now here's the difference, and it's a big one. The Holy Spirit is perfect. Dads are not. And we either allow ourselves to have all these personal hang-ups based on the imperfections of our earthly fathers, or we can take the positive life lessons, the characteristics, the attributes, the dadisms, the corny jokes, and allow them to impact our lives for good, or we let those hang-ups impact our lives for bad. Why are you this way? Because my dad just did this to me all the time. Certainly you can see that God has overcome any bad that earthly fathers do. And I pray this all the time because I'm an earthly father who does a whole lot of bad. I've got an amen bench right here that would be happy to amen this. You can. Go ahead. You want to amen it? No? Okay, good, good. Thanks. I appreciate that. Oh, Josiah. All right. No ice cream cake for you. Now, again, I'm not trying to dismiss any kind of personal permanent damage 
damage that perhaps someone has done on your life or on your mind or on your emotions. Some of you had just terrible, terrible childhood experiences, and I get that. But I find quite often that this is the exception and not the rule. And so, dads, I want to challenge us to leave an impression on the next generation that they can take and hold up and, and say, boy, I got that from my dad. And say it in a positive light, right? <laughs> yeah, I floss my teeth sitting at the couch. I got that from my dad, okay? That's not such a bad thing, but, you know, leave a positive. Think about what impression we're leaving on our kids because God left us a wonderful impression in his Holy Spirit. Number three, our final gift I want to point out this morning is that God gives us his word. I like to think of the Bible being an acronym that stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. God has given us what we need in this book to know the history of mankind and God's relationship with mankind. To know the person, ministry, and perfection of Jesus Christ. To know what God expects and yet our inability to meet his expectations do not remove his love for humanity and how we are all supposed to live with each other in relation to our new identity in Christ, that is, in the body of Christ the church. It is so important that we understand the authority and the sufficiency of God's word for everyday matters in our life. There are many scriptures I could point to for this. Let me just give you a couple. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. Now, often we point towards that as a salvation type of scripture. And absolutely, our saving faith comes from God's word. But I'm going to tell you, my growth in faith every day also comes from God's word. If I want my faith to grow, I've got to go to the gift of God's word. And then Jesus prayed this prayer in John 17, 17. Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. The whole process of growing us of making us more like Jesus Christ, is ushered in our life partly by this wonderful tool, basic instructions before leaving earth. I heard a pastor make this statement recently. I can't remember who it was, but he said, everyone wants to hear God speak to them about their life situation. I hear God speak every time I read His Word. Every single time. If only we would take full advantage of the great godly counsel we are given within the bindings of this book. And I know, I know it's hard because life situations come up, distractions come up, and, and things going on in our lives. But someday you might not have the freedom and the opportunity to take down one of the many copies of God's Word from your shelf and open it up and read it out loud. That might be taken away from you. At that point, what will you do? You'll only have the few memories that you were able to retain from the last time you read God's Word. Now, the word of dad is not inerrant, though it certainly was authoritative. And in my growth, looking back, I know now that many of the insights or dadisms, as we call them, were really something wise. There are many times that I still want to hear a word from my dad, a word of encouragement, a word of advice, a word of counsel, a word of lesson, a word of rejoicing, a word even of admonishment. I want to hear that because I know there will be a time when that is taken away from me and I will no longer be able to call him or see him and physically get that word from dad. And so I want to get as much of it as I possibly can while I have access to it. 
Maybe you're sitting here saying, well, I, I never had that. Maybe, again, God probably has given you godly men in your life that you can get that from. Yesterday I said goodbye to one of my spiritual fathers, the first pastor I ever served under, Jimmy W. Gilbert up in Greenville, Texas, and he passed away and I was able to go up there and, and do the funeral for him. I've known him for many, many years, and, and through the years, as God has moved my family around the state of Texas, I've always had him as one of the, the, the constants in my life. My family, my, my parents, obviously, but, but Jimmy Gilbert also was one I would always go to, and I would call and, and seek advice or just let him know what was going on in my life. I don't have that anymore. So instead, what I have is the remembrance of what I once had. And so, dads, I want to challenge you to make the most of the words you have to share with your children. Share the corny jokes, of course. Share your funny dadisms that you might have that you want them to do. So, you know, like one of the ones I do with my kids is if it doesn't kill you, thank you. It makes you stronger. That's right. But also she seek to share with your children truth. Some of my favorite conversations now with my dad encircle God's word as he continues to dig into it and, and, and apply it to his life. So now what? What do we do with this? The verse continues like this. It says that God has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. God wants us to have life. And not just barely existing, but to really live. But this is not talking about our best life now or some type of prosperity. No, this is in relation to becoming all we can be for His glory. Growing into what He wants us to be and living out the expectations that He has for us. Really attaining the purpose that we were created for. And to this point, as Peter says, of godliness. Godliness. Now, there are those who reject the idea of this word, right? We, we say the word godliness, and we kind of shun it. Oh, I'll, I'll never be godly. Well, not with that attitude, you won't. But, but, but they say this more as a badge of honor than a statement of humility. I'll never be godly. But I'm telling you that if you love God, and if you have surrendered to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you should care about godliness. Because godliness is the essence of a life turned over to God. It does not mean perfection. If it meant perfection, there would be no need for Jesus. You need Jesus to save you. And to turn your life over to Him because of this realization, to throw yourself upon this confession, I am a needy sinner who needs God's salvation, is the most godly thing you can do. Godliness is the recognition that we are utter failures on our own and we desperately need Jesus to take over our lives and the Holy Spirit to work out of us what God has put in us. That's godliness. Godliness is far from perfection. So don't reject the word or the idea of the word, but fully embrace what God is in, intending here. You need him. We need him. Dads, we have an important, important job. For all of our lives. It doesn't stop when the kids go out the door. But it continues on and on. Because God can continue to use us 
to be a godly influence on somebody's life. And it is in this knowledge that we know we need Him, God, who calls us. I am not godly on my own. Absolutely not. I am quite humanly on my own, and that is the problem. I am humanly and fleshly and sinful. But God, through His grace and His Spirit and His Word, has given me understanding and has called me to salvation by His own glory and virtue. Some of your versions might say His own glory and goodness. God's call to salvation is not based on us. It is based on His goodness and for His glory. And the picture of His glory and His goodness is captured in the cross and the empty tomb. Thanks be to God that we are saved by this picture of the cross and the empty tomb. God is calling us to something better than ourselves. Will we accept this call? Will we accept the cross that takes away our sin? Will we accept this call to allow God to work in our lives? And that's a call not just to dads, but to all of us. We're going to have a time of invitation, a time for you to respond. I'm going to ask every head to bow and every eye to close. And my question to you this morning is, have you surrendered to Jesus as your Lord and Savior? God's greatest call in our life, believe it or not, is not to be dads. Oh, that's a great call. But the greatest call on our life is to be His followers, to surrender to Him as Lord and Savior. Have you responded to that call? During this time of invitation, we want you to take opportunity. Respond to Jesus. Cry out to Him and say, I recognize my need for you, Jesus, to be my Lord and my Savior. He loves you. He's calling you. He's knocking at that door saying, let me in. You need me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would speak to each and every one of us during this time of response and that we would each respond how you lead. God, I thank you for your impact on our lives. I thank you for godly fathers and their impact on our lives. Lord, I thank you for fathers who they try and they try and they try. But in the end, they realize and recognize their need for you. And Lord, I thank you for fathers that are just imperfect. Because that shows us what a wonderful picture of grace you have put on our lives. Because we're all imperfect. We all fail. Thank you for that. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Would you